Welcome to the Dev Ready Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today we're joined by Mark McCormick. He is a musician, technologist, and someone that's been in the startup world for quite a while, um, has exits in the past and just really had a good conversation with him on the phone a couple of times and just wanted to share his journey to the community. Uh, Mark, thanks for joining us. Oh, uh, great to be great to be here. Um, what's what's that radio saying? Um, uh, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> I like to hear that. It's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, it is. Mark, tell us a bit about you, mate. So, what's your what's your background? Where did it all start for you um, in terms of obviously technology and how you sort of went about into the startup space and working on your own products, really? Yeah, sure. Um, well, yeah, thanks for having me today, and. Um, I don't know. I hope I can uh, add some value in some way. Um, uh, I guess my my first computer was in 1982. We were sort of talking a bit about this before the call, and it was a, um, a TRS-80 from uh, Radio Shack or Tandy Electronics. And um, for 16 kilobytes kilobytes of memory, it cost me about 800 bucks Australian back then. And this is like 982. So, well, but it was cool. It was like, wow, I can type on this keyboard and stuff happens mm-hmm. and you can automate stuff and you can make stuff move. And it was like, wow, it was sort of changed, changed, my, uh, changed my whole way of uh, viewing the world. Revolutionary back then, it would have been, yeah. So seeing things at that age, that age in the technology piece. Now I think we're sport. The young kids of today just see it everywhere, so that's just normal, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it's like that sort of you know machine language versus you know mm-hmm. a high level sort of you know draw a picture on with Canva or something. It's um, back then it was you know it was really nuts and bolts sort of you know hardcore yeah. chips and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's exciting to sort of um, have that real logic and logic gates, NAND and NOR gates sort of um, um, sort of foundation um, for me. And I did computer science in VCE or HSC. Um, but I think my first entrepreneurial journey was a thing called um, Young Achievers or Junior Achievers, which is a program mm-hmm. you do in school when you start a business. And um, you sell shares to your family and friends and say, you know, we're starting this company. Um, I mean, there it was, it was actually sort of a separate legislation um, sort of done around these particular shares. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was, I think, Young Achievers, it was all sort of rolled up under ASIC, but they, because it's about, you know, commerce and good business, um, sort mm-hmm. of at that time, they sort of, you know, put some special laws in place. But you'd sell uh, shares to your family and friends and you create a product. There was like 20 of us, um, uh, about 10 of us mm-hmm. guys from you know the Catholic boys' school out in uh, the eastern suburbs and 10 from the high school. And uh, after we sort of got over the, you know, the private school versus the high school sort of uh, argy-bargy, then we sort of got down to sort of, you know, collaborating and, and creating product. And um, long story short, we did personalised doormats. Um, you know, you could get whatever you want on your doormat, you know. Um, you know um, so started very early. How old are you at this time? Oh, this was like, uh, um, you could do it when you're like 16, 17 at high school. Yeah, okay. Right. All right. Yeah, no, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. It's called Junior Achievers. You know, it's in, I, th- yeah. I think it's still in about, you know, 500 schools around Australia every year and even universities okay. as well. Never heard um, of it. Never heard of it at all. It'd be interesting to understand a bit more, actually. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was sort of, I guess, my first foray into it. I was the marketing director. I sort of, you know, got on the phone at 3AW and, and, you know, got an interview on in there, got us on um, 
not Bert Newton's show. Um, it was like a morning sort of show on Channel 10. And they came out and did oh, yeah. an interview with us. I mean, shit, this is cool. And, uh, you know, my mum's at home and uh, the phone's ringing off the hook. And she, oh, look, let me just take your number and, uh, and we'll call you back uh, by the end of the day. It's like, <laughs> and so it was like crazy, but it was, it was, it was really fun. Um, uh, to really sort of um, finish that sort of story, um, uh, there was a, a national competition. There was you know, a little bit about ten or 20,000 students involved in you know, the Young Achievers program that year. And um, I ended up getting runner-up in Australia. So they sent four of us to America oh, well when you're well, 17 well um, yeah. to attend the World Young Achievers Convention um, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> Well, that would have been a great experience into this space and hence why you continue to follow it through, I would imagine. Correct. Yeah. Um, as stupid yeah. as I am sometimes yeah. to you know, be honest <laughs> like us all. But, um, yeah, so that was, you know, th- like the top 17-year-old 17- business minds from around America. You know, you've got mm-hmm. – I um, uh, oh, just, just can't describe it. Um, you know, some of these people would be in Congress now and stuff like that. Some just really high performers – and it was from a raft of sort of you know um, uh, you know parts of society and backgrounds whatever, but it's um, it was intense. It was computer simulations. There was pitch nights. There was um, um, yeah. Anyway, came back, started year twelve, and it was like, geez, the world's a different place. So that's um, that's where I am. Would have opened up your horizons a little bit back then, wouldn't it? Correct, yeah, mate. Would change things a bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think an experience like that would be. Um, yeah, it's something you never forget as well. Do you, you have any people you met back then that you still keep in contact with or not at all, really? Um, uh, there's a girl called Martha Brandt. She was, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she was a great girl. And, um, uh, yeah, like she's married now. Um, yeah. uh, that's sort of sort of one of them. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Um, yeah, oh, nice. Yeah. I, I remember, remember... So that moved into coming back into... Melbourne, not Melbourne. You're Sydney based, yeah. Uh, I'm Brisbane based now, but um, grew up oh, in Melbourne. Based. You know, from grew up in Melbourne. Melbourne. Okay, yep. So you've been around Australia a little bit. Um, yeah, yes. So come back to Melbourne, heading into year 11, 12. After that experience, what were you thinking then? Um, I was thinking how um, the world, or generally, and also Australia in particular that their attitude towards risk and entrepreneurship wasn't the same as mine and not even my mm. parents, you know, my parents were pretty conservative, you know, um, mm-hmm. Irish, Italian, Catholic, nine kids. I've got four brothers and sisters, you know, well, Irish, Irish, Italian family. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Sounds like a gangster movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good fellas. Uh, here, have a pint of, have a pint of Guinness. Sit down. <laughs> um, so yeah my my sort of attitude and values didn't align and it was like geez it was mm-hmm. it was sort of hard and I had you know there was a few sort of mentors that I had um, there was a girl who went to my sister's school her father was an entrepreneur and imported chess computer chess boards and um, mm-hmm. it was just sort of hard to find um, that attitude after you've had that education or been um, you know exposed to that that sort of thinking um, and, and it's changed a lot now, right? Um, look, in the current climate, there's a lot more people trying to do their own thing. But yeah. back then, what year would this have been, Mark, roughly? When you, when you started getting, getting, exiting out of high school? Yeah, 88, 88. 
88, yeah. So it wouldn't have been that. Not many people doing their own thing, right? A lot of people just um, go to school, get a job. That's the majority. But now dynamics have changed yeah, a little computers bit. Computers hadn't been in commoditized, and the... it's easier for everyone to be able to do that. Yeah, that's right. Doesn't mean it's it's easier to start. It doesn't mean it's easier to succeed. But that's a different conversation. That's that's <laughs> true. That's true. Um, yeah. If 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 I think what Anthony's saying is, yeah, the sort of democratization and connecting mm-hmm. of the internet to markets and people has mm-hmm. been a massive game changer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has. Yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. So you're in 1998. Less the huge tolerance to risk. Looking to do different things in business, but. Maybe not many people around you to support you. A bit of a couple of mentors. Yeah. What, what did that mean coming out of uni? Did you or out of school? Did you go work for someone, or did you try and do your own thing after that again? Um, what did I do? I was I was kicking around in a cover band, you know, um, doing anything. <laughs> As from... you do. <laughs> you sound like a creative type of guy, so music makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a Plato, yeah. great yeah. Plato quote about about art and music, which I might finish with, if it, if it makes sense. Um, yeah, so I'm kicking around in a cover band, you know, um, since I was 16 at school and, you know, was sort of going nowhere, but, you know, um, we were doing, you know, it was fun, you know, and um, so my first job out of out of high school was working in TV post-production. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was I was just starting off as, you know, sort of the lowest rung in the, in the library, um, bringing out tapes for the editors and... Uh, you know, general sort of gopher sort of, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then um, then there was a recession. So after about a year, I got I got retrenched. So it was really disappointing. Um, so... Um, 89, yeah. About 89, yeah. And my yep. mum said, yep. you know, mm-hmm. get off the beanbag. I found I found, it, found a job for you to apply for. You know, I was devastated. You know, I, want, I wanted to be in TV, you know, post-production. And, yeah. man, it was like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Anyway, I applied for this job, um, Fowlerware or Fowler Bathroom Products, you know, taps, toilets like Caroma mm-hmm. and Dorf. I thought, oh, this, this is all a bit, bit mm-hmm. below me as a sort of, you know, semi sort of techie, you know, um, audio sort of dude. And um, But it was fantastic. At the time of my life, it taught me how to talk, taught me how to talk on the phone. I was doing internal sales, you know. Um, um, mm-hmm. we, we're going to the pub with Debbie from Reese Clayton and, um, you know, um, guys and girls from the other side of town and, and I was like really social, bang, 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 like sort of sales. And I was like, wow. So my cover band um, got a couple of gigs and uh, and it was like, wow. And because I was on the phone, I was hustling the agents and the pubs and, and you know, sort of had that sort of sales gift to the gab. And so, and then. So that helped with the, with the music, the music career then. The, yeah. <laughs> the sales is important in all, all careers, really. Correct. Yeah. There's that saying. Mm. Um, what's that saying about mm. sales? Um, nothing happens in the world till something's sold. Mm. Whether it's, you know, um, you and I, yeah. or yeah. you, you mm-hmm. convincing me to be on the podcast and, and vice mm-hmm. versa. And, um, you know, and it's it's not such a bad thing. Um, you know, if the products um, or whatever you're selling is, you know, crap, then. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, mm-hmm. it sort of comes back to bite you. But um, it does, yeah. yeah. But it's all it all starts from there. And when you're starting out a business, yeah. um, not many people think about how they're going to commercialize. They might, especially if you're looking at we're trying to help non-techs. 
build tech really and tech businesses, right? They may have a bit of a, a bit more background or domain knowledge around an industry, but maybe they've been in corporate and they've they're not really privy to the sale or the, what that really means to sell a market product because it's a whole different world and the psychology behind that and how you present yourself and that's a learnt skill. It's not something that some people maybe can just get up and go, but yeah, a lot of people need to learn that over time and just establish that skill because it is a skill. Um, and it's yeah, I think it's um, definitely a good place to start if you want to go into a career of business for sure. Mm. No, and I think that's one of the first things we talked about was mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, how you where you 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 sit your business in the market and help those you know people you know protected on the you know forty third floor of Collins Street in in BHP and you know one hundred and forty grand a year and then they hit the pavement mm-hmm. they got to, they got to pay forty fifty grand out of their own pocket and you know mm-hmm. it's um there's not those, all those procurement processes in place and checks and balances it's, it's very different when it's their money. <laughs> The, the, the guy at the quickie mart says, "Yes, my my uh, my brother is a programmer. He can do it. What have, what have you been quoted? Twenty thousand? No, two thousand. Come on. <laughs> but whatever whatever the sort of you know comical scenario is, um, because they're sort of like babes in the woods, you know. And for you to actually focus your business in a really this is what I was impressed about. Focus your business in a really pragmatic and learning sort of process." Um, Mm. And I was sort of one of them as well, you know. And it's it's mm-hmm. just a it's it's your vista, it's your view of the world. And um, um, so yeah, um, so yeah, you sold no, me on that. Agreed. I was like, wow, cool. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's what the world. Uh, we all got to stand for something. And um, yeah, that whole thing around um, someone starting off. If there's a lot of things that can go wrong in the tech space, and being in tech, you understand that. Um, but just opening up people's minds to uh, what to think about, because if they've never been a down a journey, um, it's it's difficult to know what the next step is, right? So there's something like this conversation opens up things for people to think about. So that's why we're here. That's why we do it. And um, yeah, we, I love doing it, just having a chat to anybody um, around their experiences and uh, <laughs> what's worked for them, what hasn't Yeah, no, totally, yeah. totally. Um, you can learn something from almost anyone, you know, you sort of meet. Correct. Very agree. True. Yes, agree. So you're working um, for a plumbing company, um, selling. How did that adventure into software? Because this is the story of you moved into software development and things like that at some point, didn't you? Um, yeah. So how did that transition? Yeah. Um, well, I, um, my, my actual music, career sort of took off in a reasonable way uh, and that cover band you know that we were playing mm-hmm. in high school um, we ended yeah, up yeah. playing five nights a week you know I'm 21 years old oh. we we're playing to like 7,000 people man from um, oh wow well <laughs> Kramer's impressed it's not a normal story yeah yeah Kramer's yeah. impressed him to um, there was a club at the Essendon um, uh, Essendon airport called Flight Deck to, you know, Moravin, to Jesus, to Relgan. And, um, yeah, so I was like, I got the sack, you know. I was, I was coming here hungover, you know, three three days a week. And I was like, oh, no, no, no you've done. Enjoying yourself a little bit too much. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Enjoying yourself a little bit too much, boys. Yeah, you know, you're 21, why yeah. not, huh? And, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, my boss said, you've done it now. And I said, yeah, you know. And I think I... I uh, it's a family friend, friendly recording. I, I told him to stick it up his jumper and uh, gave him a nice, <laughs> nice little signal and uh, walked out the door. And to me, that was a bad, it was sad, but it was also a badge mm. to go, wow, 
you know what this music thing mm-hmm. I've been sort of toying around with? Now we're playing five nights a week and turning over almost a million dollars a mil- a million dollars in our best year um, oh, as wow. 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds and um, yeah, in yeah. like 20 years ago money. So that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, yep. so had a music, music career there, did a musical at the Princess Theatre in Melbourne. Um, um, did, mm-hmm. Then I went to London, did a musical in London. Um, mm. And uh, sang sang on a cruise cruise ship. Singer, yeah, yeah, yeah. singer, man, yeah, yeah. and uh, spin yeah, a awesome. few plates, you know, <laughs> play the spoons, piano accord. What sort of music was it? What was that? What sort of music were you covering? Oh, look, anything at the time from Van H- in in the covers band Van Halen to Nirvana to Noise Works, all this stuff. Um, to oh, okay. you know, some funk, James Brown. Um, okay, cool. No, but it really a lot of variety really cool. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was sort of you know a party band with a bit of a bit of a sort of edge, and um, mm-hmm. at, at the time, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, but yeah, so did professional music theatre at the Princess in Melbourne and on on the West End as well. And then I sang on a cruise ship out of Miami, you know, when my baby, when my baby smiles at me, I'm, and then I'm, I'm like, the, the, you know, this sort of dude with the, with the microphone, you know, I'm dipping girls, all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff. You know, it was, it was a cool life for like, you know, uh, on the ship about six months. And so I came back to Australia mm-hmm. and like I'm sort of late 20s and I go, Jesus, you know, I've had a good run. Um, mm. What now? <laughs> what, what now? But it's like I, I knew, you know, still knew a lot of actors and singers and musos, and it's like, Jesus, do I want to be an out of work actor at thirty or singer actor at thirty, mm. you know, or forty? Jesus, you know, um, mm. and look, some guys I knew really talented had been on Neighbours, you know, TV commercials, you know, mm-hmm. films, whatever. You know, so you know, he's happy, sort of around forty, but you know, his, his wife's a nurse, and he was just. You know, it's a really passionate and creative and talented, but um, you know, it's it's a you know, it's if if you talk about you know uh, being a unicorn in startup world, being a unicorn or having a, even just sort of you know variety, you know, mild success in entertainment is like a whole other ball game. And um, yeah, I think it's a lot, lot harder, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's um very mm. no, no, it's especially being in Australia too. I think it's even more challenging. Because you have to stay in the US, really, if you're going to get anywhere yeah. really big. Yeah, so. totally. And But, you know, there's 10 times more people doing it as well. Um, Correct. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but yeah. These days, maybe not. Sorry? I'll say these days, maybe not. There's probably 10 times more trying to do their uh, tech startup or app ideas. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, what was I was going to say, um, yeah, um, so you came back to Oz. You were sort of didn't want to move into the neighbours of the world, and yeah. What, what did you think? Start again. What was it, what was the thinking there? Tech was obviously something you loved. Yeah, uh, you had some passion towards. Yeah, yeah. I, that's it. that was exactly it, man. That was sort of um, the mm-hmm. turning point, um, sort of in my career. I thought, well, if I, I don't really want to, you know, go all in on a, you know, this sort of rock singing mm-hmm. career. I'm over twenty five. You know, twenty five is mm-hmm. the sweet spot for you know a young male pop star. You know, whether you're Justin Bieber or whatever, you know, and um, so it was like, okay, well, I, I did computer science in H- VCE, HSC, and um, so mm-hmm. um, I bought a computer, and then the because the internet came along, commercial internet, I'm going, Jesus, this is going to change the world. So yeah, um, that was when I made the move, started a computer science degree at Swinburne, 
um, started working for a startup in the analytics space, um, just as a, a junior dev, then a bit of business development. And um, so that was the, the real pivot and shift. Mm. Okay. Uh, that would be a big shift, but also some BD in that, yeah? So software and a bit of BD still, because, yeah, that makes sense, because it's a background there. Um, having a bit of BD being background, yeah, makes being sense. Being personable. Yeah. Being personable in a startup is important, especially a tech one, because yeah, sometimes they're not very personable. Correct. You've got yeah, uh, yeah you've got um, Urkel over in the corner there. You know, <laughs> some programmers, some programmers are a different breed. Yeah, they can be. <laughs> How do I speak to the blonde in accounts, Mark? Uh, well, just say hello. You know. Well, yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. So you spent a few years in there and then what sparked the first, all right, I'm going to do this on my own and um, go out and do something for myself? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the first company I worked for, and this is just a little mm -hmm. bit of an interesting story, um, mm -hmm. they, they were called Red Sheriff. And a guy I was mm -hmm. studying with um, when I used to do one particular night class, he said, yeah, I'm working for this internet startup and we're doing a Java, mm -hmm. Java class. And um, I said, oh, yeah, what is it? He goes, oh, we're sort of market research analytics sort of stuff. I go, what's that? And mm -hmm. uh, and then we just sort of got talking. After a few weeks, he goes, I've had a chat to, to my boss and um, uh, we might have a job going. And uh, I go, yeah, <laughs> get me in there. And um, so, yeah, we really abridged story. We were the pioneers in um, like um, uh, JavaScript tagging, like Google tags and and um, double-click tags and all that sort of stuff. We were the very first in the world out of mm. Melbourne to pioneer this stuff. And it was some mm. Java applets and CGI calls, sort of like, you know, one-by-one one pixel sort of stuff, you know. And um, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, we brought on clients like Telstra, 9MSN, CarSale, Seek, um, like the Bassett boys. Um, we still communicate sometimes online. Mm. And if we're at an event, it's like, Hey, ah, Mark. And it's mm. like, wow, yeah, look at my pocket compared to yours, Andrew, huh? <laughs> How about you shout, shout some kosher wine? Get out of here. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so it was pretty big back then, yeah. It was a good opportunity in the in the late 90s, right, to um, yeah. crack and pioneer some new things. And there's also opportunity now well, around us. Everything was new. Yeah, everything was very new, and that's where the whole um, the whole internet bubble blew up, and all this sort of stuff going on with everyone raising big money off the back of an idea, off a napkin, really, and anything in IT, and that's what's happening now in the blockchain world. Similar thing, but um, yeah, so it's just repeating itself, right? Yeah, it's any sort of you know boom, mm. any market sort of cycle, you know, whether it's mm -hmm. what was that um, mm. the bulb sort of things to you know yeah. tech to whatever, or, or you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. fickle markets and and society tend to you know. Yes. Follow Probably the same. So it would have been exciting being in that sort of startup world, growing quickly, evolving, yeah. um, and pioneering something new, and being yeah. innovative. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it, but it was still hard. You know, it was like um, four or five of us. You know, and I'm on the phone to you know, um, you know, you know, some big finance brands and stuff, and it's like, mm. why do we need to measure this thing called a website? And I said, well, let me tell you, Neil. <laughs> This is probably so. It's a lot of education, right? So yeah, that it was time that, especially. Yeah, yeah, it's that pioneering mm. education phase, like mm. like any product mm -hmm. sort of goes through, and um, mm. and um, uh, so, um, oh, geez, there's so many stories I could tell you there, but um, um <laughs> but you know, it was it was it was fun, and um, but you know, we were pioneers, and 
mm-hmm. we were, you know, our competitors were like the sine wave interactive or the Hitwise guys that were around for a number of mm-hmm. number of years that sold out for three hundred million to a UK company called mm-hmm. Experian about um, I don't know Experian eight, yeah eight years ago and I was talking to mm-hmm. talking to Andrew Giles the other day about about one of the businesses that um, I'm, I'm starting. So those sort of mm-hmm. um, that sort of history and tenure, and if you're still a good guy at the end of the day and you try your best, mm. then, you know, um, uh, people people still have the time for you, you know. Um, so mm. um, anyway, so, so we, we – sorry, yeah. On that note, education's a big part of anything new, especially if you're at least trying to do something different or shake the industry up. And um, something that people think about is how you educate your customers because – Sometimes um, putting in something new in front of people, it takes a while to actually get what you're up to. Um, and that journey can take some time. So um, it's important for people to realize that, yes, if I just build a product and show people, they're definitely, it's, they're not going to probably buy it right day one. They might not even understand it day one. So um, it is something you want to be thinking about when you're building a business and how you educate and bring your customers on that journey too. Mm. No, no, I, 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 I agree. It's... um. um yeah, whether it's your vision or the vision of your product and how it um, mm-hmm. solves problems and saves time and money and pain, mm-hmm. then um, and yes. this is why it's better than the others. And yeah, it's um, you're evangelizing. Mm-hmm. You're evangelizing sort of your, uh, your vision. And yeah. you're right. You've got to bring your staff along. And, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I agree. So you were there for a couple of years and then you went into ISP Match. Um Tell me about ISP Match. Yeah, well, I, I left Red Sheriff because, like you were saying about evangelizing, sort of, you know, analytics, sort of measuring web pages, you know, mm-hmm. well, I don't know, it wasn't that exciting. You know, we were like doing some UX studies <laughs> and stuff like that. But yeah. um, so um, we, we raised one and a half million bucks off a venture capital firm at the time, which was in th- that sort of, you know, late 90s. Um, it was, there was mm. still a very old guard, you know, conservative financial sort of, you know, um, sort of mm-hmm. stiff suits and stuff, and it was it wasn't the you know the Blackbird or Airtrees Ventures sort of vibe today. Yes, where yes. They're really a partner. It was like you know if you don't make these revenue targets, then we have a ratchet that takes you know. They were just sort mm-hmm. of like a you know a, a sort of a more sophisticated bank who could understand these types of you know investments. Um, but yeah, so um, uh, we got a million and a half, and um, so um, you know things are all starting to starting to grow. But um, I. I exited because I wanted to do my my own thing, and um, I was going to tell you a story about um, how we almost hired a stripper um, as our receptionist <laughs> when we raised the money. You know, we're out, we're out, sort of, you know, having drinks or whatever, and you know, sort of guys in our twenties or thirties. Yeah, look, we could give you a job. And it's like Andrew. <laughs> That's to do what? Yes, exactly. (laughs) How many many drinks was that after, mate? Oh, exactly. A few, man. A few. (laughs) um, So, um, yeah. um, So I I, um, exited that because it it just wasn't really exciting me. And like you were saying, it was, Mm -hmm. you know, fertile stuff at Mm -hmm. the time. And there's Mm -hmm. often the, um, with your, even like in later businesses that I had, sort of my vision versus someone really ambitious and, creative and gung-ho who really wants to do his own thing. So um, mm. it's almost like if you don't identify that, I think in an employee yeah. um, sort of early, um, they can get disgruntled or competitive or bitter or, or, what, or you know, steal some IP. So um, you either support them or, mm. or what have you. So that's like a different sort of, um, you know, um, dynamic. 
Um, so on that one there, what were some of the key learnings for you? So obviously went through a raise, investors' money. What was that experience like, just running a business for a few years that was really about starting something new, investors' money in, seeding? How was that experience for you? Yeah, um, with Red Sheriff, I was really um, um, like a small player. Um, I mean, there was only like five or six of us. Um, that's probably not the best example to to, um, to 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 use. So I started ISP Match um, after I left Red Sheriff. Obviously, you know, took took a bit of time off and um, sort of in my bedroom. And I thought this could be an interesting space. Just that whole sort of marketplace. You know, it's like I select mm. or compare the market before they sort of existed. <laughs> Um, and it was just in this little sort of niche, you know, called internet service providers. And um, so I really just spent my own money on that and, uh, you know, went up to an mm-hmm. event in Sydney, got some T-shirts printed. I think, just, I think on, on the back of it, it was like, yeah. just, yeah. it was like our logo on the front, ISP Match, and on the yeah. back it was our sustainable competitive advantage. It, is, it was mm-hmm. like my whole shirt was a pitch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Pitch on your back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it worked. It worked yeah. a bit, you know. And it was sort of, when was this? I don't know, maybe 2000-something, early yeah. 2000. And can't, can't even remember yeah. the event in Sydney, but it was that it was that sort of early days of um, uh, communities forming, you know, beyond, you know, mm. your business at home and, and the venture capitalists and stuff. And it was, um, mm. it was the guys... Um, it was an SMS company that in, ended up doing really well. They were they were like the sort of pitching on the night, you know, the, the Aussie guys. Anyway, can't, anyway, so yeah. So like an SMS marketing type thing. Yeah, it was like um, yeah. um, it wasn't um, Informatel. It was um, another sort of guys. They ended up with offices in California and stuff like that. And um, mm-hmm. okay. so um, anyway. Um, so yeah, um, I you know I got on planes to Sydney and signed up you know Aussie Mail and Netspace and some of the sort of big names at the time, and it was really just me and my developer, and um, you know it was sort of a, a nice sort of looking website and you know pretty simple model, and um, and then we sort of did deals with Australian Netmag at the time, which was sort of like you know um, PC Mag, but for, for you know sort of specialising on the internet and sites and all sorts of stuff. And yeah, we charged them, you know, two months, um, uh, two months, um, what do you call it, subscription. So, um, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so it was about, you know, say sixty bucks at the time. So if we bought your customer, sixty bucks, um, you know, I select, mm-hmm. <coughs> I select charges. If you're a health insurer, I select charges you between six and seven hundred bucks to give you a, uh, a health insurance. One like a couple of months of health insurance. Could be more, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they've worked out, like, all the actuaries have worked out, yeah. you know, the how long they keep them for yes. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, because they'll probably stay there for a long time so they can just justify, yeah, we'll take three months of this subscription or type thing. Yeah. And they'll be around for an average of five years, ten years, who knows how long. So, yeah, you can justify it then. Yeah, it makes sense. And then they send out a yearly email saying, are you ready to make the change? Have you checked your provider? Because <laughs> yeah. they want you to move because they get paid again, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yes. It's yeah. that whole churn thing, you know. It's the, the, the yeah, business in churn, like telcos and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, so that was that. Yeah, so you're in that space in ISPs, right? Just comparing, earning money for referring customers. Um, how did that business go? What were some of the big key learnings for you in that in that sort of market? A few wines between now and then. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what would you tell someone not to do? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think it was an interesting business. Um, you know, it did okay. Um, I needed to, you know, spend more time on it. Um, and, but you know, it did okay. So, um, a couple of people contacted me out of the blue, and mm-hmm. um, a company by the name of Info Choice, and they were an ASX mm-hmm. ASX listed company at the time. They were sort of um, they were sort of ex truck trucking company like logistics and stuff like that, and they said, okay. "Hey, we've got to get into the uh, got to get into the internet game," you know. And a lot of people enter any sort of industry from you know whatever whatever angle, whatever whatever level. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if there's an opportunity there and you've got some you know good business acumen and some astute skills, you go, "Well, shit, yeah." You know, I could um, mm-hmm. I don't know, I could start a you know um, an alp, you know a beer brewing company or something, but it's often a whole mm-hmm. other thing, you know, just like IT mm-hmm. is to you know to um, the music industry or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jesus, um, uh, lost my lost my thought there. Anyway, so yeah, if, if they contacted you out of the blue, yeah, yeah, and um, so um, the, uh, the CEO sort of contacted me, and um, my brother um, was a uh, uh, pretty senior consultant at Accenture, and uh, so he was mm-hmm. sort of there and came along to a few meetings, and uh, you know they they offered me a couple of hundred grand to sell it. You know, I'd spent apart from time, mm-hmm. I'd probably spent about. 10k cash on it so you know to roughly mm-hmm. 20x return you know minus everything else and you know at the time an 80 90 grand a year job and um mm-hmm. and it was like uh, you know you have all these grand ideas you know you're oh, gonna, gonna be worth 200 million in 12 months you know yes. <laughs> selling books yes. Selling books out of a warehouse, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, what, a, what an inventive idea that is, you know. And um, so you sort of there's that sort of um, sort of founder genius sort of you know sort of ego. You know, a lot, a lot of people have. It's human nature, you know. And it's like, oh, I think yeah, there's a bit of we all have big dreams, right? When you get into the space of business and what you're trying to do, but sometimes it's uh, one of my advisors that we work with. So sometimes it's good to take some money off the table, bank it, and go again because, um, yeah, there's no guarantees in business. Um, it's, it's what's on the table at the moment. So yeah, sometimes it's uh, depending on what you what you love. You need to understand that too. If it's something you're not loving, um, maybe it is time to move out and try to do something you enjoy more. But yeah, it's all decision at that time. But we can get greedy <laughs> as a business owner. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's um. It's it's managing that yeah right and the right time to exit and mm-hmm. you know um, sort of uh, have uh, call it a balanced portfolio you know you don't want to mm. you want to sort of you know have to walk away from the table with not you know get knocked out of a <laughs> poker game whatever some game you play and yeah. um, no I, I agree so he, he's calling me from you know, I didn't really want to do it didn't really want to do it my brother's going you mad Mark you know. It's like, <laughs> you know, and, and so he's, he's calling me from his portsy um, uh, yes. you know, um, house or whatever. And he goes, "Yes, I'm just mm-hmm. down here on the, you know, working on the boat." I'm going, "Oh, that's that's good." Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> right. Um, so it was like part ego, part hey, you could be me, part you know, it was mm-hmm. a it was a sell to 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 get me to sell. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "You know, why don't you mm-hmm. come back to the table?" And, you know, he was older, and he was like in his 40s, 50s, yeah. whatever, and uh, yeah, he's made some money. And um, so it was like a different sort of, um, different sort of, uh, sort of dynamic. And I said, uh, mm. oh, look, you know, we're talking to, to someone else as well. And um, and uh, I said, look, I'll, uh, I'll get back in touch with you on Monday, Tuesday. It's okay. 
We'll speak then. And um, so it's sort of like walk away. I've got another option. Look, you know, maybe Monday, Tuesday. But at that point in time, I'm thinking, you know, you're right. Mm. Take some off the table. And it's okay to, to, to feel that sort of, you know, self-preservation <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, wish to, you know, um, you know, um, have a have a good win rather than a, you know, than the, you know, I don't know, um, with magic millions well, or something. So Monday and Tuesday came around, and what was the decision you made? Um, I said, uh, "Let's uh, let's speak again, Robert. Um, I think we might be able to do um, uh, do a deal here." So we, um, you know, sort of went in and sat down and, and did a deal. Um, and I didn't want to work for them um, in my like heart of hearts. You know, you've, mm-hmm. whatever industry you're in, yeah. you sort of know whether this business is going to do well or not and you know you got to trust trust your own you know guard or um, intuition whatever it is and um um so and i didn't particularly like them you know (laughs) i didn't particularly like um sort of (laughs) them as as guys or girls and sort of culturally like corporate culturally you know what i mean or or whatever culturally you know Mm -hmm. and um so um yeah i was like uh well you know i'll 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 take the cash was sort of like the end of the um um, the real sort of basic basic um, sort of outcome and um, so yeah it um, um, that was sort of that was sort of the end of that chapter so to spend you know I don't know 14 15 months to make 200k and sort of um, spend 10 you know it was it's, it's it's not a bad um, not not a bad outcome you know and so um, yeah. Uh, so, so then I went went and worked in digital advertising. So I taught, you, taught you a bit there. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That that probably wasn't. Uh, so that was start. That was boot, bootstrap startup. Yeah. So that was no investment. That wasn't the the red sheriff. That was no investment. Um, just bootstrap the things. Yeah. And, and that's what people need to understand. If you're going to bootstrap yeah. it, um, it's a lot harder to drive. When you got one point five million dollars in the red sheriff thing, you can build a team. You can drive a lot quicker. Yeah. And you can grow up quicker. So you got to make those decisions early on too. You have to how you approach your scalability as a business. I to- I totally agree. And um, I think it's it'd be good to sort of talk about you know, having the exit in mind up front. And that can shift as well. It could be, you know, a trade sale list, IPO, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yes. we are. Our option three for an exit is an IPO. Mm-hmm. It's, like, yeah, it's out of the textbook, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but, but, um, jeez, yeah. um, uh, what, what, what were you saying before about sort of exit, or just before we were speaking about exits? Um, yeah. And exits, like the things we need to consider up front um, when we're in business, or oh. we'll start shifting the way we're approaching so, it rather than thinking of the end. Yeah, having a strategy in place, even or a number. So it's a strategy and how what we're doing next. It's more of a strategy of how we're approaching exit and just thinking about that. A lot of businesses don't even think about that um, in the tech space that are raising. Yes, they're probably told what's the exit plan, but um, yeah, we need to really think and consider what does that mean for you, short term, long term. Are you in this? How does that sort of play out? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I, I agree. Um, you can have an interesting, say, family business and it provides for your family and, you know, gives you a good lifestyle um, and you provide value to your clients and maybe the community, whatever. But there's all, always layers, you know, and it's um, maybe we're a nice fit for mm. you know, a, a company in Barbados who, you know, likes them. Um, you know, some sort of, you know, fasteners for boats, you know, whatever it is, you know, to, to sort of see your mm. intrinsic value as a business strategically 
economically, you know, it's, it's always a bit of a strategic because they're going to pay more, you know, rather than, hey, you know, mm-hmm. we do, uh, I don't know, we do finance, these guys do finance, they, you know, let's say they write, mm-hmm. you know, 300 loans a year or 5,000 loans a year. It's a really easy quantum to sort of um, sort of bolt that on. And it's not interesting or exciting um, or like really valuable. We, yep. You know, um, Facebook buys um, Instagram or WhatsApp and it's like, wow, yeah, you know, they're all sort of saying, wow, we can do this with our audience and, and, and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding where you strategically fit is uh, yeah, is is really important. Or you know, maybe you're a you know just you, know, you own a winery or something, whatever whatever the hell it is. And it's like, wow, it's, you know, it's it's cool. And I like those guys, you know, and because um, it's like, mm. wow, man, you don't sort of you don't have the investors or you know the the pressure, and you you, you sit sit there and you know have, have you know wine and events at your vineyard or whatever. And it's like, wow, you know, no uh, less pressure. <laughs> that's that's our perception though everything different kind of pressure everything over the other side of the fence looks like less pressure but you don't know when it doesn't rain one year or there's uh dry something that impacts the crop there's a lot of pressure comes on so yeah it's it's, everything's got its own pressures and every business has got Mm. its ups downs left and rights and it's just from what i found being in it uh, for 14, 15 years, give or take, um, it's, it's, there's always ups and downs and it's it's never perfect and you're always learning and that's something if you're going to jump into, especially a tech business, if you're a non-tech founder, mm-hmm. there's a lot of learning to go through that journey and then you need to keep evolving um, as a person, as a business owner. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no perfect business, I think. It's always mm-hmm. evolving. It always changing. Everyone could be disrupted. That's yeah. the world we live in right now. I, I hear, I hear. Um um, mm. you, you reminded me to sort of also finish with something. Um, I had a mobile travel mm. app company for five years, and this is where we, yeah. I raised money myself. Um, and it gave you, mm. it was after the Bali bombings, and it gave you um, travel warnings. Okay. We were just sitting around at a barbecue, and you said, mm-hmm. Imagine if you get an SMS via, you know, SMS warning via, um, about a travel warning. It's like, Gee, that's good. Um, mm. That's interesting. And, you know, Few of the sort of other mm-hmm. sort of business guys, sort of mates, you know, we just sort of kicking it around. Um, but as an idea in itself, compared to bringing that to market and getting customers and keeping them happy, and mm-hmm. you know, modifications to your product mm-hmm. and investors stuff is like a you know a big journey. Um, but it was cool. I had it for five years. Flight Cinema clients, um, uh, corporate travel agencies were clients. Swinburne University, um, they used it for, the, for their staff. It's like we had like a, a dashboard. You know, we got. 20 people landing in London on, um, you know, Qantas Air Flight, Qantas Flight, blah, blah, blah. Your hotel details in English, Chinese, nearest nearest Australian embassy are translated into 30 languages. This is all via SMS, you know, before the iPhone. And, you know, we thought it was interesting. We thought it was cool. It was like, okay, so, so when you're in, when you're in Rome and, uh, you want to order, you know, uh, the steak medium rare, just type, um, and we know you're in Rome. So we had some geo aware sort of stuff. So we, we assumed your default language would be Italian. And it was like, can I order the steak medium rare? And it would come back in Italian. And you go, there, senorita. No. And, um, uh, so and it was it was like cool, um, but it was still hard. It was still hard to convince travel. Um, travel uh, is an order taker in in uh, industry. We our reps on the road, you know, we're incentivizing them. You know, for for some stores, we'd have like a you know, um, you know, um, a, a Hoyts Village movie voucher sort of thing, right? And they they 
they'd really sell well whilst you were, you know, hand dishing out freebies. And then as soon as you stopped, it was like, no, no sales from that store. And you ask the rep and the rep goes back in. It's like, well, you know, it's almost like you got to, you know, pay, pay them off. You know, it was, it was just really, really sort of, um, really, really sort of difficult. And there was no particular mandate. Um, travel agents are, you know, um, aren't as educated as most. And so, um, they tend to have a different ethical framework. Um, they're not paid that well. And then, you know, the, um, the Covermore insurance rep comes in and the Covermore insurance knew how to do this really well. So, I mean, there's a fine line between the ethics of this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but, um, and, and so, um, you know, you, you sponsor flight center parties, you know, and you get one of our reps to speak. And it was, it was just really hard. Um, but what we had in mind as we navigated this industry from going from a, a, a barbecue with no real travel experience or exposure to an industry mm. um, to dealing with, you know, the CEO of Stella that owned um, Harvey World Travel and Peppers Resorts and stuff. You know, there's some massive money in this sort of stuff. And, um, and where you fit in the technology value chain, in the marketing value chain, um, in an industry that doesn't generally attract, you know, um, you know, smart sort of thinkers, you know, it's, it's order taking. It's, you know, a trip to Bali, you know, and, uh, some flights and whatever. Mm. So it was hard to sort of elevate their strategic thinking. Um, but you know, you can't walk in a, into an industry or and sort of say, you know, this is how it should be done. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like, it was, it's actually. You've heard, I've heard that a few times with real estate agents. Yeah. 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 I think every industry has its own way of doing things and mm. to disrupt that maybe that was too early at the time right sometimes we can be a little bit early in industries and sometimes timing plays a big factor in success yeah. um, and to get cut through at top levels in big businesses um, means you're doing something right so yeah. what are from from your journey across business um, i have to cut this pretty soon mm. but from your journey across business what's what's one thing that's seen you get the cut through at the big levels because you've done it across multiple businesses. What do you think that you can pin that down on? Because it's something that people may struggle with uh, to get cut through at the corporate level uh, to actually get some new technology in. What's some of the things that you've learnt about that and what have you done? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, I mean, I have sort of perhaps a, a few, um, you know, I don't know, badges, you know, stripes, because of what I've done, not particularly entertainment, but, you know, Red Sheriff or whatever, mm. and people I know mm. that know someone, so you can get that sort of intro. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the last... It's a network. Yeah. In, in, like in the last, um, mm-hmm. the last uh, say, couple of months, um, I've had discussions with the CEO of Southern Cross Austereo, you know, Fox FM, um, to the CEO of yep. ARN, which is Australian Radio Network, Kiss FM, mm-hmm. Gold FM, about a, like a music mm-hmm. tech thing. And um, so I can... It's interesting, you know, even, I mean, I can, you know, break down the door, get a meeting and, um, but then the interest intricacies of their world and sort of, Hey, look, I really want to talk mm-hmm. about this and how this will be great for you rather than really understand the usual stuff, understanding their world and how can we solve a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I, uh, I, I pissed Kieran off, um, the CEO of ARN, you know, um, a couple of months ago. Did you? <laughs> I'm, I'm asking the guy. Okay. He goes, yes, we, we want to, yeah. I want to talk about yeah. doing, you know, something yes. about this in November. Yeah. So, um, and so yeah. it was, it was, um, so there's a fine balance there yeah. too, because it's about building relationships, understanding their world. Yeah. yeah. But I think you have to put yourself out there, right? Um, yeah. if you're going to yeah. grow 
a business in a big way, you're really going to have to put yourself out there. And sales and marketing is one of the key things here. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's really important that you build your network as you've done in your past. Yeah, and then be really, um, really about solving mm -hmm. people's problems. And, and particularly in the media, they're very unwilling to yes. tell you um, strategically about, about their business. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, yes. it's more cutthroat than, um, you know, mm -hmm. um, the advertising yeah. world. And, um, you know, it's a secret club yeah, and all sense. that stuff. Okay. And we, Abby, Abby, Abby can't tell you about strategy, but I'm trying to, trying to solve a problem here. You like what we're doing. And it's, it's like, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. You know, that would make it difficult. Yeah, yeah. They have to play ball too. Yeah, yeah. You know, how, how, about, how about we play, you know, charades? You know, is it? Is your audio <laughs> strategy about this? Yes. And it's yeah. like, yeah. and sometimes, yeah, and depending on the relationship and yeah. who you're talking to and this, the level of seniority and what sort of rapport you've built, um, you know, it's like, you know, um, how can I help you? You know, uh, it was like, you know, let's, let's, let's not stuff around, you know. Hey, it sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew and Anthony. It's, um, it's, uh, yeah, pleasure, pleasure to talk war stories. Yeah. Thank you, Mark.